Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. In Luke chapter 1, we were looking this, this morning, you know, uh, Paul, or Luke rather, when he wrote his uh, gospel, he said, I wrote... Uh, uh, that we might know the certainty, this is in chapter one, verses one through three or four there, that we might know the certainty of those things which are most surely believed among us. So we've been talking about that on Sunday mornings. I decided to continue that uh, tonight. It's important that we know the certainty of the things we believe because he's calling us higher. He's not calling us higher in a different direction. He's calling us higher in the things that we already know and are already established in. He's calling us higher. Amen. And uh, we've been talking about the all-important ministry of the Holy Spirit. He's calling us higher in the Spirit. He's calling us higher in the things of the Spirit. Can we go higher in the things of the Spirit? Yes. Can we go further? Yes, we can. Amen. The, the spiritual realm is unlimited. And in the word of God and in harmony with the word, I'm not talking about something outside the word, but I'm talking about inside the word of God, there is such depth and, and, and such uh, uh, of, of uh, an upward call that the Holy Spirit can take us up into and cause us to experience been talking just as a just as a point of reference, not to be argumentative, but as a point of reference, talking about those who don't believe what we believe, and uh, and it's necessary sometimes to point out what people don't believe and point out the inaccuracy of it because you know when you don't just stay here in this church all the time, you know you go out, you listen to other people, and a lot of times they can tell you other things that sound plausible, that sound. Uh, reasonable, but then you have to stop back and step back a minute and say, no, wait a minute, is, is this really everything the Bible says? I talked this morning about the man that I was reading. You know, I just got this book off the shelf I've had for years and, and uh, because I like to read up, you know, on what other people believe. I want to examine, you know, what people believe and, and see if there are things that we can learn. And I tell you what, I learn stuff. Amen. I learn stuff from people. That I might not agree with everything they say, but I pick up something they said. Well, you know, that's really good and that's true. Amen. And, uh, but you also uh, learn where people miss it and where, where they uh, uh, don't understand. And it's not saying that we understand, you know, everything. We certainly don't. But, but thank God what we do know, we know. And, and thank God uh, for the things he has revealed to us as part of our vision that he'd make us ministers and witness of the things which we've seen. Well, you have to see something. For you can be a minister and a witness of it. We've seen some things from the word of God, not talking about weird, far out, way out, you know, things, but things that are in line with the word of God. And, and then the things yet to be revealed. And, uh, and so I have two directions I'm going here. Let me get back to my first direction on, on, on people, you know. I, I mentioned this morning there's this, this author, you know, I was reading, and he, was, and he started out the book, his, his, his introduction 
to the book. I was talking about all the ridiculous, supposedly ridiculous things that, that quote unquote charismatics believe and, uh, and purport to have experienced. And he said, you know, just healings, you know, just in mass, all these healings, more healings than you could imagine. And you know how God, they, people, he's heard stories about, you know, people that claim that God did this and God did this and, and the other and how outrageous it was, you know, and people are falling out into the spirit and, you know, God, God healed my dog and, and, you know, things. And they just said, you know, it's just bizarre things. Well, I know somebody in this church that God healed their dog. Raised their dog virtually from the dead. Am I right? Yeah, they had the Morgans when they, when he was they were he and Joan were little kids. They had a dog that got run over by a car, or run over by something. They found it in the road, and uh, the dog was just laying out, just dead. You know, basically. And they prayed for him, and and God raised that dog up. Now you think, well, that's crazy. Why would God be interested in raising? He's not interested in dogs. He's interested in children. Amen. And so this guy was talking about all the crazy things people believe, you know, that God did. And I thought about, now, if somebody that I mentioned this morning, if somebody today said, you know what, I was, I was, uh, I didn't have money for my taxes and I was praying and God told me to go to the Santa Fe river down here and, and, you know, take my little, you know, my, 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 uh, uh, ultralight, you know, and just put a little spinner on there and just cast the thing out there. And I'd catch a fish and take the first fish and take it and open its mouth and I would have money to pay my taxes. You know, I went down the river and I did that and lo and behold, I pulled in a fish. You ever done that, Doug? Opened his mouth and there was a gold coin in it? It's not common, is it? I mean, that's pretty outrageous. I mean, the very idea that God would send you to, to fish to get money to pay your tax, the very idea. If it wasn't in the Bible, you'd think that was the most ridiculous thing you ever heard in your, in your life. Isn't that right? You go to a, you tell somebody, you know, I went to this conference, this Bible conference, and there were thousands of us there, you know, and, and, and you know, we, we ran out of food. The cafeteria ran out of food, and we were way out in the middle of nowhere, and there was nowhere to get any food, and we don't know what to do. And, and so the, there was one guy there that had a little pack lunch, a little bag lunch, and the leader of the meeting said, bring him up here. And he took that, that bag of that bread, you know, just five loaves, two little pieces of fish, you know, and started breaking it and giving it. He had 12 ushers. And he said, now go out and give this to all the people. In the and he just kept breaking it. And it just kept being more and more and more. Just one, just one bag lunch and just, he kept breaking it and he just kept feeding. And everybody in the crowd was full and they were so full they had more than they could eat and they gathered up, we gathered up 12 baskets full of food out of this little boy's lunch. You say, really? How many people were there? 5,000. Okay, get out. Just get out of my sight. I'm not listening to this anymore. You are an absolute lunatic. So why should we? Jesus did those things. Why would we think it strange that Jesus would do things today as outrageous as he did then well, if he's the same yesterday, today, and forever, he's gonna do the same things, amen? And he can supernaturally and miraculously meet your needs, whatever they are, and he can do it by the most unconventional methods and avenues that he wants to to get it to you, amen? Praise the Lord. And so then this other thing that I, I was just, just came to me right then as I was talking, you know, one of the confusions that people have uh, in, in the in the camp in the, in the part of the body of Christ that feels like it's their calling to criticize people who, who uh, experience things by the Holy Spirit. You know, people out there, they feel like that's their calling in life. 
you know, is to correct the body of Christ and to correct us Pentecostals, you know. And, uh, and, and one thing they don't understand is revelation. The first few chapters of this book dealt with uh, people that believe they hear from God and that God talks to them and tells them things. And the problem is they don't understand what we're talking about. They seem to have the idea that we're talking about God's giving us new scripture that's never been written before. He's saying things that are additional revelation from the New Testament. That's not what we're talking about. But if those people would just be honest, surely, surely, I don't care how unspirit-filled you are, surely if you're a Christian, from the time you were first born again to 20 or 30 years later, Surely there's some scripture that you know deeper and have more understanding of and you understand the meaning of it and the application of it more than you did the day you were first born again. Surely that has to be true. Well, that's what we're talking about. We're talking about the Holy Spirit brings revelation from the word of God, unveils the depth of the word of God and how to apply it in our lives and, and, and so forth. And so thank God we have received a lot, but there's a lot more to receive. There's more understanding. There's more uh, revelation in that sense. There's not more revelation in the sense that there's more fundamental truth. There's, this is the truth right here. It's the truth, the whole truth. Amen. And, and, but the Holy Spirit is still revealing things in this to us because we don't know it all. We don't understand it all. Even the Apostle Paul who, who had such revelations. I mean, he wrote two-thirds of the New Testament and he talked about himself having been caught up to heaven into paradise. He said, I heard things that are not lawful to hear. Things that I can't even speak. It's not even permitted for me to say the things that I heard in that heavenly realm. He at the same time said, nevertheless, we look through as we, we look as in a mirror when we look into the word of God. It's not, we don't look at it directly. It's like we see it reflected in a mirror. And we have a picture of the image, but it's not a straight on understanding of the word of God. Well, praise God. If that's true, then there's more understanding for us. That mirror can get clearer and clearer. Amen. Well, praise the Lord. The things of the Spirit are real. Amen. And so we talked this morning, you know, about some of the core disagreements. And this is, again, just so that, that uh, we understand where people are coming from. And it helps us to, to know what we believe. So people talk about, you know, that tongues are, are ignorant, you know, just this kind of ecstatic gibberish, you know, there's nothing to it. Well, the problem with that is if that's true, Jesus is behind it. Jesus institutionalized the speaking with other tongues because he was the first person that ever talked about it. And he didn't just predict it would come. He, like I said this morning, he prescribed it. He said these signs will follow those who believe as they go out preaching the gospel. These signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they will speak with other tongues. So if it's, if it's craziness, if it's extreme emotionalism, if it's just a bunch of, 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 of a, you know, sort of a psychological learned response and gibberish, if that's what it is, Jesus is behind it. How many of you believe he's behind something like that? No, he's not behind something that's ridiculous. If, if, he, if he prescribed it, it's because it's real. And it's because it's of God, glory to God. 
And it says in the book of Acts, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak as, speak in tongues, as insanity gave them the ability to speak. No, as the Spirit gave them utterance. So Jesus and the Holy Ghost are in cahoots. According to this theology, Jesus and the Holy Ghost have gotten together to pull a big scam off on the church. No, that's not true. Speaking with other tongues comes from, from the Lord Jesus. He, he predicted it. He prescribed it. He endorsed it. The Holy Spirit does it. Amen. Well, anyway, praise the Lord. That's, you can see that's pretty ridiculous. But people, you know, it, like I said, I'm reading this book and I'm thinking, he was reading all these crazy things and I thought to myself, you know, that is kind of crazy. People, you know, having all these things happen. Then I had to shake myself and say, wait a minute. Jesus did stuff like that. Amen. Well, they say, well, Jesus never spoke in tongues, so it's not important for us to speak in tongues. Really. So that's the logic. Because Jesus never did it, then we shouldn't do it and it's not for today. If Jesus didn't do it, it's not for today. Is that what they're saying? Sounds like that's what they're saying. You can say amen or oh me or something. Just at least act like you're alive. Nod, you know. You know, do something. Well, if Jesus never spoke in tongues, then we don't need to speak in tongues. So if Jesus didn't do it, we don't need to do it. Well, Jesus never baptized anybody in water. But he told us to do it. Jesus never spoke in other tongues, but he told us to do it. Jesus never went to a foreign land to preach the gospel, but he told us to do it. He could have, you know. I mean, if Philip could be called away from one place to another, Jesus could have went to Tanzania. I mean, he could have went anywhere he wanted to. Isn't that right? I don't think there was a Tanzania then, but you know what I'm saying. He could have gone to Africa. He could have gone to anywhere and preached the gospel. Amen, but he didn't. He didn't. All you Latter-day people, he didn't. <laughs> Amen. He never left outside Palestine, right there where he was. Glory to God. So Jesus never spoke in tongues, but he prescribed speaking in tongues for the church. And he prescribed it for the entire church age. Glory to God. The reason he never spoke in tongues is because tongues and the interpretation of tongues are gifts of the spirit, operations of the spirit that are distinctive of the church age. They solely belong to the church age. Amen. And then the, this is another big one. Well, tongues have ceased. I was getting my hair cut not long ago. And uh, the lady that cuts my hair, she's a wonderful Christian woman, you know, and she goes to a particular church. And, and uh, you know, sometimes I just ask little questions, you know, leading questions to get her talking, you know. And, uh, and I don't remember how it came up that day, but something came up about speaking with other tongues. And she said, well, you know, I just, she, she's, she's not, you know, hardcore. She's open. To, uh, you know, to, to seeing things differently. She said, well, I just, you know, I've always heard, it was always taught that, that you know, tongues had passed away, that tongues had ceased, they're not for today. And uh, the only, the, and, and that's, that's what a large part of the Christian world today believes, that tongues, speaking of tongues, have ceased and that they passed away and they're not for today. The problem is there's nowhere in the Bible where that's taught. There's nowhere in the Bible where that's taught. There is one passage that they use, only one. There's not, there's not like three or four passages that they use to draw this conclusion. There's one passage 
It's not one passage and then it's confirmed over here with this other verse in another chapter. It's one passage alone. Go to, with me to, second, uh, to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And I know you know these things, but how well do you know it? Amen. 1 Corinthians 13. Hallelujah. <clears throat> now I mentioned this morning that this is something people don't always look at, but in the first chapter of, uh, of this epistle, hold your place in 13 and go back to chapter one. And uh, he's talking about the gifts of the spirit. In uh, verse number seven, he said, you come short in no gift, eagerly waiting for the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ. The, the phrase, the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ is a Pauline expression and it, and it refers to the appearing of the Lord Jesus Christ to catch up the church. He said that, that in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, that the Lord Jesus will, will, will come to catch away the church and we will be caught up to be with the Lord in the air. We can read that in, in, uh, in 1 Thessalonians. But, but here he's referring to the same thing and in other places he refers to it as the revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ when he comes to catch away the church. And uh, it says here in reference to these gifts of the Spirit, and you, you know that's, that's what he's talking about because so much of the book had to do with the gifts of the Spirit. He said, you come short, or the King James says, you come behind in no gift, eagerly waiting for the revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ. That tells us that the gifts of the Spirit are something that are intended to... to uh, we're, to, we're intended be, to be occupied with the gifts of the Spirit right up until the time of the Lord Jesus. Can you see that? Eagerly waiting for, the, for the, the appearing of the Lord Jesus. And then it says, who will also confirm you to the end. And we, and we mentioned over in, in uh, Mark chapter 16 where it says that, that they went out preaching everywhere and the Lord worked with them, confirming the word through the accompanying signs. That's the confirmation this is talking about. You have people say, well, how do you know? Well, there's not anything else in the Bible that talks about confirmation except the confirmation of the word of God by gifts of the Spirit. Isn't that right? Over in Hebrews, it talks about God bearing witness both with signs and wonders and, 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 and uh, distributions of the Spirit, that bearing witness, that's confirming. That's what it's talking about here. He will confirm you to the end. Blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. Well, these things are supposed to take place right up until the end. Now, if you go, the end of what? Well, the end of the church age. Not the end of the day. The end of the church age. In 1 Corinthians 13, he said, love never fails. Now that word fail there, a lot of times we, we interpret that this way, that love never, uh, love never, uh, love is never inadequate or love never uh, doesn't supply the need, it never fails. And, and we like to say that sometimes that you know love never fails in that sense well you just keep loving them because love never fails that's really not what this is the original Greek where it says love never fails it really is saying love never comes to an end 
Love never comes to an end. It never, that's just, an, I don't know why the, the New King James, I guess because it's so pretty and, and, and it's on so many refrigerators, you know, and, and little magnets stuck on refrigerators that they just couldn't have the, didn't have the heart to change it. Because really, <clears throat> in the sense of love never, you know, love always accomplishes its, its agenda. Well, that's not always true. Love does fail sometimes. I mean, God is love and, and the perfect outpouring and demonstration and provision of his love is the Lord Jesus Christ, but some people are not gonna receive him. So love is not gonna win everybody. So to say, well, just keep loving them because love never fails, you know, it, you'll always reach them. Well, maybe not. That's just not, that's, that's one of those spiritual air castles that people like to have, you know, paint, prop up, you know, but, but then they're disappointed when it doesn't work out that way. Well, the Bible doesn't teach that. Amen, you can love some people and they'll just kick you in the face. And they never will change. Well, that's not anything to shout about, but it's true. <laughs> Amen. Love here, it seems, it's, what it's saying is that love never comes to an end. And the love of God never does come to an end. Amen, aren't you glad? Glory to God. Love never comes to an end. But where there, where there, there are prophecies, they will come to an end. Where the, where, whether there are tongues, they will cease. Whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. Vanish away, cease, come to an end, all refer to the same thing. That tongues, prophecies, knowledge, there will come a time when these things will vanish away. Now, I said that there's no place in the New Testament that teaches that tongues will cease during the church age. The scriptures does mention a time when they will cease. Prophecies, that is the gift of prophecy, people speaking by prophetic utterance. Prophecy, tongues, and knowledge. Now he's talking about knowledge. You have to take it in the context of, of what he's talking about, the gifts of the Spirit. This would be words of knowledge, supernatural knowledge, so forth, that comes by the Spirit of God. He's saying there is a time, there's a time coming when they will vanish away. For now, we, you can put that in there, it's understood. For now we know in part and we prophesy in part. See, our knowledge isn't complete now. And so because our, our knowledge is in part, we still need revelation. We still need supernatural revelation. Again, not revelation in addition to the word, but revelation of the word, the, the, the actual scriptures in your hand. We still need revelation. Amen. Why? Because we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away. It will come to an end. He said, when I was a child, I spoke as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. Now this is an illustration. When you know this as adults, when you were a child, you talked like a child and you understood like a child. But when you, grew, when you grew up, you put away childish things. 
You don't still play with cars, do you? On a regular basis, you really don't, do you? I'm talking about little cars. Not big cars. I don't play with toy soldiers anymore. I don't have any. Are you following me? I, I don't have things from my childhood unless it's just some kind of memento, you know, something that actually my mom threw everything out, so I don't have anything, you know. But uh, bless my heart. But uh, <laughs> you, you relate. <laughs> when you were a child, you thought as a child and you understood as a child. Aren't you glad you understand more now? than you understood as a child. That'd be a sad thing to be 45 years old and not understand anything more than you understood when you were 12. Locked in 12-hood. That would be awful, wouldn't it? <laughs> no, he's using this as an illustration. He said, we grow up. And when we do, then the things that were in part the, thing that, the things that were of partial knowledge, the things that were of lesser understanding, the things that were of an immature place, he said, we put those things aside because we don't need them anymore. I don't need toy soldiers. I have several ARs of my own. <laughs> and I can shoot them anytime I want to. I don't have to put little toy soldiers on the dresser and pretend like I'm shooting things. I can go to the gun range and shoot to my heart's content. Amen. All right. Praise the Lord. Just want to make sure you're awake. For now, now, for now, we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know just as I am also known. So he's talking about there's coming a time when prophecies Supernatural knowledge and speaking with tongues will come to an end. It will cease. It will, it will vanish away. Well, when, when is that time? And, and, and so, you know, the modern church world, you know, I, I talked about modernism a couple Sundays ago. Modernism would sound like it's something modern, but it's not. Modernism has been around for a long, long time. There were modernists in Jesus' day. And uh, the modern, modernists always want to water down the word of God. They always want to take anything that belongs to us now and discount it, dismiss it, either say it's in the past and it doesn't belong today or it's some way off in the, somewhere way off in the future and one day we'll have those things. But modernism always uh, takes us to a place where we don't have what the Bible says we have. We can't, exper we can't experience or expect to have uh, uh, things in our life, it's all for some other time. And the, the modernists today, they say, well, tongues are for the past. We don't need them anymore. They've, they've passed away. They've ceased. And they use this passage of Scripture. And, and so the question arises, well, when did they cease and what caused them to cease? Because... And the answer they give is that when the scriptures, when the, you know, when the New Testament as we know it, when it was finalized and, 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 and uh, church leaders all agreed that these were the scriptures and other letters and books and epistles were not scripture, that this was the word of God, when that happened, then that's the time 
when tongues ceased. The problem is there's not any reference to that in there. In this passage, you would have to have heard that somewhere to insert it in that because if you had never heard that before, you wouldn't get it out of this passage. There's, it doesn't say anything about when the Bible comes, you know, is, is, is finally put together, then tongues will cease. It just says when that which is perfect has come. They say, well, the word of God is perfect. Well, there are a lot of things are perfect. Jesus was perfect. He came and went before tongues ever got here. What is, it, what's it, is there any evidence in this passage about what that perfect thing is that when it comes, tongues and knowledge and prophecy will pass away? Is there any indication in here of, of, of what that is? Well, it doesn't precisely tell us, but it gives us a pretty good hint, doesn't it? When that which is perfect is come, and how does he describe that? Then we will see face to face we now know in part, but then we shall know just as we also are known. Well, if, if you hold, that, hold your place here and go over to 1 John, go over to the, to the first epistle of John and go to chapter three and look at verse two. It says, beloved, now we are children of God and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. But we know then when, that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we, we shall see him face to face. Glory to God. Go over to Ephesians chapter four. Ephesians four. And let's look at In Ephesians 4, he's telling why God put ministers in the church, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and, and teachers. Verse 12 said he did it for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head Christ. See, God put pastors and, and other ministers here for, for the equipping of the saints to do the work of the ministry looking for a time when we will all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect, mature man. Talking about the body of Christ being fully matured. And he says, even attaining the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Well, that would be that which is perfect, wouldn't it? Well, what's gonna happen when that happens? We're gonna be raptured out of here. That's, gonna, that's not gonna happen until just before we go home to be with the Lord. Isn't that right? So when you talk about when that which is perfect has come, it's when the church achieves everything that God's given us to do, when we understand everything we're, we're supposed to understand here in this life, when we, when we uh, achieve the full measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ and we are caught up and we see him face to face, 
then that which is perfect will have come. And guess what? Tongues will cease. Special gifts of knowledge will pass away. Isn't that right? So it's, it's clear to me, and I think it's clear to any honest person, that 1 Corinthians 13, talking about the time when tongues will cease, if anybody is genuinely honest and even basically intelligent, they'll have to acknowledge that it's talking about when, when the Lord Jesus comes and we see him face to face. Amen? Well, praise the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. Now, I'll just stop there. Praise the Lord. Next chapter might take a while. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Did you get anything out of this tonight? Well, let's just stand up and give him thanks for the word of God. Thank him for tongues. Praise God. Speaking with other tongues. Hallelujah. Glory, 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 glory. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Glory to God, 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 glory to God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Well, why are we talking about these things? Because he's calling us up higher. If we're going to go higher in the things of the spirit, we're going to go higher through more understanding of the word of God and more understanding of spiritual things. Praying in the spirit. I mentioned this morning that there, are, that there are many benefits to praying in other tongues. And there are too many of them to go into in this series or even tonight. But that praying in other tongues is, is an essential doorway into all of the things of the spirit. In understanding the things of the spirit. You will, you will acquire a certain degree of revelation from the Bible, from just spending time meditating in the word. I'm not, I'm not diminishing that or devaluing that in the least. You will, spend, you will receive a certain amount of revelation and understanding. I'm talking about revelation knowledge from God by just spending time in the word of God. But there are other things you will only receive insight by the Spirit after praying in other tongues. Things for your personal life, things for God's plan for your life, you will not receive all you need to know and understand from the Spirit of God only by studying the Bible. Am I, am I in any way devaluing studying the Bible? No, I study it all the time. I love to study the Bible. And, and, and certainly, everything we believe has to be based on the word of God. In fact, when, when something comes to us, an enlightenment comes to us that we perceive the Holy Spirit is showing us something, the first thing we do is to check it out with the word of God. And if it's contrary to the word of God, then it can't be the Holy Ghost. The word of God is the ultimate standard. But that being said, you're still not gonna receive all of the enlightenment just 
by, and that sounds dismissive, but it's not, but, but only by spending time in the word of God. You're going to have to spend time in connection with the Holy Spirit, praying in the Holy Ghost is, is the way you will receive a lot of information about God's personal plan for your situation, what he wants to do in your life. It won't come any other way other than praying in other tongues. That's just the truth. And, and so I'm teaching on this because we don't do enough of it. I've said we don't do collectively as a church. Now you might be different, but we as a, most people do not do enough of it. Amen. Amen. We don't do enough of studying the word either. And this isn't to, you know, to put, you know, to regulate, regulate some kind of, of bondage in somebody's life. You have to do so much and put in so much time. That's not what I'm talking about. But I'm talking about we are so, uh, usually most people are so taken up with the things of this life. And Jesus warned about that. He said, you let the, the love of other things and the desire for other things and the interest of other things enter in and, 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 and choke out what I'm trying to do in your life. Most people are guilty of that to some degree or another. And so we don't spend enough time in the Bible, but we also don't spend enough time praying in other tongues. And if we're gonna go higher, we're not just gonna go higher by singing about it. I love to sing about it, and, and, I'm, and, and we're gonna do that. But we're not gonna go higher just by singing about it, thinking about it, rejoicing about it. We're gonna go higher by getting over in the realm of the Spirit. Now, you might not like this illustration, but Brother Hagin used it, so I'm gonna use it. He said, you know, back in the 19... 50s and early 60s, the, uh, the Russians put up this uh, first Sputnik, the first rocket, you know, that went up and, and actually escaped the, uh, did it actually escape the, the, the uh, atmosphere? And it scared the Americans because we didn't have anything like that. And we thought, oh man, they're, you know, they're, 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 they're going to beat us, you know, to space and, and, and we don't know what's next, you know. So, uh, America uh, uh, embarked on this very aggressive plan to put somebody into outer space. And we actually made it to the moon. I, I as a, just a teenager, remember that night? I was with Angela and we were after church on a Sunday night. It was uh, in July, I think. Huh? Something like July the 18th, but it was in 1969. And we were in church that night and usually we went out after church, you know, and went and got some food, you know, and so forth. And, uh, but this night we went over to the pastor's house right after church and, and Angela and I and, and the pastor and, um, and the pastor's son and he had a, a girl with him and another friend, he had his girlfriend with him. We went over there and we watched, it was very historic. We watched man walk on the moon. And that was just so historic. But you know, we didn't go to the moon first trip out. First time we put a rocket up, it just barely got outside the atmosphere. We didn't go to the moon. We, we went in stages, isn't that right? We went up so far and we tested that out and we found out, why didn't we just go to the moon in 1960? When John uh, Kennedy said, we're gonna go to the moon, why didn't we do that the next month? Because we didn't know how to get to the moon. We didn't know how to operate in space outside the atmosphere. We'd been up really high but, but in, in uh, flights and things, but, but to get outside the atmosphere of the earth into outer space or even to, to close, you know, nearby space, we didn't know what to do out there. So we didn't go to the moon overnight. 
But we made it eventually by going out further and further and further. Well, then when it comes to the things of the Spirit going higher in God, we're not going to just go there overnight. But we have, to, we have to start going further than we are. And praying in other tongues is such a vital step in that direction of going further in God, going up higher, understanding more about his plan and his purpose for our lives and understanding more about the Bible. You know, the Bible is not naturally understood. It's not, the Bible is not a, a, an ordinary book. You can, you can have a, a college textbook that you study to get information out of, but it's not like the Bible. It's not inspired utterance. Once you understand everything in that chapter, there's not anything else to understand about that chapter. You got it. But, but the Bible is not that way. The Bible has to be spiritually discerned. And it's inspired of God and it's very, very deep. And the only way to, to really understand this is by the Holy Ghost's helping, his help, his, his enabling. Isn't that right? Well, how does that happen? By tuning yourself up, praying in the Holy Ghost. So praise the Lord. That's why I'm teaching on this. I'm teaching on this because we're going higher. But we're not just going to go higher because we say we are. <laughs> we're not just going to go higher because we just get all excited and say, bless God, we're going higher. Hip, hip, hooray. <laughs> we're going we're to go higher by actually going deeper in the spirit. Amen. And so, so, you know, I know you, you know some of these scriptures. I understand that. But, but we need to do what we know. Amen. Well, praise the Lord. Amen. Glory to God. I had to just keep talking until almost 8 o'clock. It's just not like me to stop at 745, you know. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Isn't God good? Isn't it? Is, is, <laughs> Ah, sometimes. Woo, glory. Isn't God good? <laughs> ah, hallelujah. Ah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's just worship him. Glory Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Lord. Don't be too quick to judge things and to scoff at things you don't understand or things you haven't experienced. Take a moment and judge spiritually. Look to your heart. Look to the inward man and ask the Spirit of God to give enlightenment. And many times you will see things in an entirely different light than what you have seen up until that time. And more understanding will come and more enlightenment will come and you will not be classified among the scoffers who willingly are ignorant of those things of which they scoff. Instead, you, are those, are, you will be one of those who are enlightened because you take time 
to judge things spiritually and not after the flesh. Amen. Amen. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.